This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. If you live anywhere along the east or west coast of Australia, chances are you might have heard it's whale watching season. That's when nature's biggest mammals head north in a mass migration. So in this squeeze shortcut, we look at what the heck a whale migration is, how whales are faring with so much concern about our oceans, and where and when you can see all the action. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, when I floated the idea of doing uh, whale migrations for Squeeze Shortcuts, I was uh, overwhelmed with enthusiasm from the team, actually. You guys were all quite keen. It's a great idea. (laughs) It's not usually in our wheelhouse, but gee, it's an interesting thing that happens and it's sort of the topic of conversation for anyone living on the coast at the moment because it's being touted as one of the best migration seasons that we've seen. So here we are talking about whales. I got to say, whales heading north for the winter does seem like a really smart thing to do, heading from the cold to the warm. Yeah. Exactly. They're smart. So, <laughs> And look, I reckon anyone in my hometown of Albury is probably having a dream at the moment about going to Fiji or Hawaii or mm. up to the north coast, somewhere warm anyway. But whales are certainly more organised and methodical than us humans and they actually collectively get together. They abandon the Antarctic waters every year and they spend at least a few months in those warmer climates. Let's go back to basics. You're from Albury, if you just said. I'm from Bermagui or Burmy as we call it on the far south coast of New South Wales. I have seen this every year since I was born, I reckon, the whales on the move. I assume everyone sort of knows about it, but I guess inland people like yourself, Claire, maybe not so much? No. Not so much at all. So I'm really pleased that we're doing this. Um, Of course, probably more familiar with the stories that pop up on TV about this time every year that have Mm. told us what it's all about. Um, For us, just to get into some of the background, the main food source of whales is krill. They're these miniature crustaceans. So that's why they love hanging out in the waters around Antarctica. They gorge over the summer. They get a really good layer of whales whale blubber and then they head north. Uh, Both the east and the west coasts of Australia see that happening. Um, They breed up there at a latitude of about cans Mm. and then they come back down the coast during the spring. Yeah, let's talk about the humpback whale specifically because it's the most common whale you're going to see on the east coast and west coast of Australia. It's pretty charismatic really. I think these animals are amazing. It's got a whole sort of acrobatic display thing going on. We've seen them breaching out of the water and landing back down. That's the humpback whale. Yep, really signature moves, those ones, leaping clear of the water. And they also do these flipper and tail slapping things as well as just a good bit of curiosity around those tourist boats. Yeah, they do get curious. Scientists have been studying them for decades now. We know a bit more about their behaviour and what they call this curious migration. Yeah, so we know they really do rely on those fat stores when they're heading north, but might be a bit of opportunistic feeding that goes along on the way. Uh, But basically, they're on a mission to get there. They mainly mate when they get up 
to the Barrier Reef or across to the Kimberley Coast in Western Australia, then, and get this, the pregnant females don't just hang around all year to give birth. They then swim thousands of kilometres back to Antarctica to start feeding up on those krill again. And that's what's so wild about whales. The humpback whale is pregnant for about 11 and a half months. So she swims about 5,000 kilometres to get pregnant, back again 5,000 kilometres to feed up during pregnancy. Then she has time to turn around and do another 5,000 kilometres to go north to give birth. Yeah, total respect for that. And (laughs) in those places around the Great Barrier Reef and over on the Kimberley Coast, the mothers and calves generally remain in the shallow in those sheltered waters where the calves nurse and gain weight um, that they need to get back to the feeding grounds. Uh, If the mums just gave birth in Antarctic waters, it's likely that the calves wouldn't survive those temperatures because they don't have those fat stores. It's amazing what animals do for survival, right? Of course, we're getting most of this information from David Attenborough, Claire. It's been well documented (laughs) and we'll put a link to some more information in your episode notes. But in the meantime, let's get into how the world's whales are faring with so much worry about our oceans. If you're heavy news consumers as we are, Claire, sometimes it can feel a bit grim, um, particularly when you're talking about the ocean, about endangered species. So we've got rising ocean temperatures, we've got pollution, those are big topics of conversation. It's almost like you'd expect there to be a bad story when it comes to whales, but there really isn't. Yeah, and you're not wrong about the concern, but thankfully this is one of the rare occasions where we can surprise you on the upside. Mm. Uh, There's a voluntary group called ORCA, O-R-R-C-A. They do an annual census to track wild numbers and they've recorded a gradual increase in those numbers over the past 21 years uh, that they've been gathering that data. Researchers reckon about 35,000 whales move up the east coast and about the same number goes up the coast of Western Australia too. It's pretty extraordinary because of the history. Of course, whales had almost been hunted to extinction. Yeah, and of that estimate of, say, 70,000 whales that are on the move, humpbacks make up a big proportion of that number. About 40,000 are those, and they've been taken off the threatened species list only last year. Uh, It's just remarkable, that comeback story. When whaling was finally banned in the Southern Hemisphere in 1963, their numbers could have been as low as 100. Yeah, quite amazing. I'd like to just go into this a little bit more because it does fascinate me. I don't know a lot about why people were even hunting whales. Yeah, look, it's quite, I guess for us modern humans, quite unfathomable to understand that, but they were very valuable animals, Mm. Uh, particularly in the 1800s. Their blubber was melted down and it was used for oil, for lamp fuel, also for candles, and it was a base for things like soaps. Um, Baleen, which is whale bone, was also pretty common in women's fashion. It was used for corsets and also some common items like umbrellas and kids' toys. Yeah, of course, we've talked quite a bit about the humpback whale, but there are, of course, dozens of other whales people might see in Australian waters, especially during this migration. A personal shout out, Claire, to the southern right whale. It's a majestic creature if you ever get a chance to spot one. 
Yeah, so they're distinguished by these white and grey growths on their head, uh, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> they were up to about 70,000 of those in the 1700s. That's what they reckon. Um, their numbers have only just recovered to about 3,500 in the Southern Hemisphere. So they're still on the endangered list. So if you reckon you spot one of those, and I think I have, you're pretty lucky. They don't usually go as far north as the humpbacks. They just move between the southern coastline of Australia and maybe up as far as Byron Bay. Yeah, exactly right. And I think we know a bit less about their patterns than the humpbacks too. Uh, Of course, there's also the blue whale. It's the granddaddy of the sea. It can measure up to 30 metres long. You really wouldn't want to get too close to that if you're out near Tinny. Yeah, 30 metres. It's mind boggling. It's still listed as endangered from probably a high of 250,000 in the world's oceans down to maybe one tenth of that. Overall, while it seems like a pretty good story of resilience and we were quite positive at the start of this segment, marine biologists don't want us getting too complacent, Claire. No, exactly. And there's a bunch of things that conservationists worry about. Of course, those warming oceans that you mentioned, um, that would reduce the krill population and that would affect the whole whale family and its fertility. Um, Separately to that, ocean pollution is another biggie. So we're talking about plastics and water being contaminated by everything that we produce on the land. Of course, we hear a little bit about overfishing generally. The worry is that with so many fishing trawlers out in the seas, that inevitably whales will get caught up in those nets. Yeah, and the modern invention of really big fishing trawlers that can take in just masses of fish. Mm. Um, You hear stories every whale migration season of animals being spotted dragging nets as well, Um, or those buoys, they go through the water. So those are the issues facing our whales. Next up, if you've never done it before, you might want to actually have a look at some of them migrating. It's quite something. We'll let you know where people have been spotting whales this season. Claire, the greatest thing about whale watching is you don't have to go on a boat tour. It's, of course, um, for anyone who's done it, pretty special if you Mm. do get the chance to see them super close up. But there are actually so many vantage points and they can come really close to beaches, these whales. I've seen them frolicking pretty close to the shore around Bermagui a lot of times. And, Kate, I reckon one of my very special times in my life was just driving down the coast near Byron Bay and just pulling up to do a bit of work and there were these whales, like, right in front of us. It was just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, look, Sydney ciders particularly have all sorts of favourite spots. Um, Often you can just go to a headland and just start spotting uh, at this time of year. But name a vantage point on the east or west coast and you can just go and you might get lucky. Basically stand and look at the ocean and you'll probably see one at some point. You just might be lucky or you might not. Every local newspaper and TV news this time of year has stories about the whale migration. It was a big feature in the Port Macquarie News last week, Claire. They reckon, as I said at the top, it's a bumper season for the humpbacks and they got some pretty amazing pictures out on a whale watching cruise. Yeah, good luck to them. Sightings though everywhere. Um, Batemans Bay, Coffs Harbour, Mandura on the west coast, um, they really are on the move. And what's interesting other than just stories of sightings is that there's lots of warnings out to boaties not to get too close to them. Um, The same thing for drone operators. That's a modern invention. Um, Don't get right up in their grill. (laughs) Don't get up in their grill. I like that. Yeah, there are really strict rules about approaching whales, of course, to not disturb their natural behaviour. So Marine Rescue New South Wales, for example, says that boaties must stay 
stay 100 metres away. If there is a calf, that increases to 300 metres. Drone laws are different everywhere. Drones have a sort of a mind of their own. But in Western Australia, for example, you aren't allowed to get closer than 60 metres. Yeah, what the authorities want is for everyone just to show a bit of common sense, uh, for skippers to slow down too and not to approach whales from behind uh, or to wait when they're in front of their path. Uh, We know sometimes that whales can be curious and so they advise if it does come towards your boat, don't make any sudden movements or big noises. Wow, that would be quite something. This isn't (laughs) just about protecting whales. They're, They're big animals. So a pregnant humpback whale can weigh 200 tonnes. So, of course, there's been some pretty serious damage inflicted on vessels and people if they get too close. Yeah, and if you've seen in the news, there's been a bunch of stories of late about killer whales, so those orcas attacking boats. That's happening mainly on the southern coast of Spain. Um, a sailing boat had to mayday and even get towed back to port after an encounter. It's a tenuous link, that story. It is over in Spain, but still, it does happen. Um Before anyone sends us a message, we know orcas are part of the dolphin family. Although I've got to say, I didn't know that until until we did this shortcut. But they can measure up to eight metres and weigh up to six tonnes as adults. So not to be trifled with. Yeah, and scientists really aren't that sure why they're attacking boats at the moment. There's a theory going around that a sailing boat injured one of those orcas and it's like a revenge attack. Uh, Or, of course, it could just be some really rough playtime. Oh, I've just got free willy in my head. I've always wanted to have a whale friend. <laughs> um, the experts aren't even sure though, Claire, and it just reinforces the advice to give these animals plenty of room if you're in a boat or just watch them from the shore. They really are just so magnificent when you get to see them in the wild. Of course, they're on the move up north now, but they generally return in September to November. So plenty of opportunities to catch a glimpse. That's your shortcut to the great whale migration. On to our recommendations. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. As I said, a lot of information in this podcast is from David Attenborough. There's nothing better than watching wildlife footage narrated by him, I don't think. Mm. So I've got some underwater vision of the humpbacks with his dulcet tones over the top. Nice one. I also, in that video, love the guest appearance by a fur seal. That's definitely one to have a look at. I love the Um, seals. They look like they're having such a good time. (laughs) Yeah, they all look like such great friends. (laughs) Um, Now, we talked about that whale census. It's where volunteers try and count their numbers every year and you can get involved if you're got some opportunity to do that. It's happening on June 25. Uh, There's a contact in your episode notes for the group that runs it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Squiz Shortcuts. It's one of two this week. The other one is very, very different. It's about the re-elected president of Turkey, that is President Erdogan. Bit to unpack there. There is. It's a lot going on over there and well worth knowing about because it's a country that does have such an influence on the West, so a good one to get on top of. Absolutely. That's in your Squiz Shortcuts feed. Uh, You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.